0: You're listening to audio from Plankrow Harvest Church, located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankerharvest.org. All right. Well, before we get going, I want to just uh, take this time to introduce some people there from Atlanta, Georgia, right? Or close by there. They were members at First Fundamental Bible Church in Calexico, California. And they were they moved over here to Georgia. And we I know that the church misses them a whole lot in Calexico and I praise God for them. This is my brother Juan, better known as Estodo, and then his son here, his daughter, his wife Daniela, and they're here with us. And they came to visit and I'm excited to see them. Amen? So Welcome them afterwards, all right? Be a little friendly. Were we not friendly when you came in? Only you were, bro. Okay, all right, okay. All right, okay. All right, okay. All right. good deal. That's I knew I had to do that, bro, to get you going. But uh. Anyway, I want to talk to you today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. And uh, Jed just read the verses. And I want to talk to you about excuses. How... Christians have so many excuses. Not only Christians but non Christians have a lot of excuses why they're not saved. But one of the things that that I was in the Marine Corps long, long time ago, long time ago. Dale was in the Marine Corps when it was scratch and sniff. You just scratch it and you sniff, and that was the only time they knew anything about anything that was going on. You know, he's he's a new guy in the But anyway. We had a guy, a Filipino, he's a Big, heavy set guy. And in the Marine Corps back then, they had what they called the pig squad. So if you were overweight, they made you lose weight. And so this guy, we used to go running, and in the Marine Corps, it's always you have to be together. Well, he'd always fall behind. So they made us run back and pick him up and bring him. He'd be doing push-ups, and he couldn't do them. The drill instructor used to walk up to him and tell him, hey, why can't you run? And he says, well, when I was little... I had asthma. All right. So then why can't you do push-ups? Because when I was little, I hurt my shoulder. He says, why can't you do sit-ups? Because when I was little, my stomach hurt. And he kept going on and going on. Finally, I'll never forget the drill instructor said to him. You know, he says, excuses are like, and he used another part of the anatomy. He says, excuses are like, and I say, noses, everybody has one. Amen. We all have excuses. Every one of us has excuses. And it's interesting. There's millions of people. that It's a way of life for them. Excuses. Excuse after excuse. It's common. It's like breathing. Benjamin Franklin said, The man who is good for excuses is good for little, little else. And it's so true. Excuses. We make all kinds of excuses for our behavior. All sorts of excuses. It's Pastors. I pastored for 40 years, and I heard all the excuses why you don't come to church. Number one, in Calexico, too hot. It's 120 degrees over there. It's too hot. Here, it's too cold. <laughs> then the other one that I'd like to hear people tell me, it's just too nice, so I'd rather go to San Diego. So they don't go to church at all. So they're full of Excuses. People are just full of excuses. Too hot to everything. And the reality is we make excuses because we want to cover up our indifferences. That's all it is. Indifferences. What is an excuse? The Random House Dictionary defines it as an attempt to regard or judge with indulgence. To pardon or forgive one's actions. In my opinion excuses, we just we're full of them. We just don't want to do something. And I like the way it says it, to pardon or forgive one's actions. Why do we make excuses? We need to ask ourselves that. Why do we make excuses? And there's a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. As many as people are, there's excuses. All sorts of them. But if you see the scriptures, and if you see your own lives, you know what, ex- what excuse you use. We use a lot of them. A lot of them. So let me start you off with a couple excuses. And it's okay if you say amen, alright? I like to hear amen. I like to hear that you're fired up and excited. I like this big guy right here. Be, I was at the in, 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 I forgot your name, bro. Zach, Zach there he goes. We were in the Spanish and the doing thing, and I said, amen, amen, and nobody would amen. To find he just said, amen. Oh, like that, okay? So you guys get excited here. So here's, the, here's an excuse that I hear so often, and you all hear it, the lack of ability. Well, you know what? I just don't have confidence. Christians are real good at that one. I just can't do it. I'm timid. I'm shy. I can't do much. A great man of God said that. His name was Moses. Moses. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. We all know about Moses. Exodus chapter 3. And look at that verse 11. God's calling him to take Israel out of Egypt. And he says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's Exodus chapter 2 or chapter 3, verse 11. And listen later on, he, the excuse he makes. Look at that chapter 4 and we'll start in verse 10. He says, then Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by by the hand of whomever else you may send even when God tells them that. You know, and I hear this so often. Well, pastor, I'd like to do this. I'd like to teach the kids, but I can't. I don't know how. I don't know how. I'm not a teacher. Well, I'd love to share the gospel. I'd love to share the gospel, but I don't know where to start. I don't have the ability. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't do that. Well, who made your mouth? Who? The Lord. And he puts words in your mouth. Guys, if you would have known me, praise God you didn't, before I was saved, you would never think that I would be in a pulpit. I went to my 10-year class reunion and my 40-year reunion, and every time I gave they asked me to speak there, I would they would come back and afterwards they would all come to me, all my fellow students, you a pastor? I can't believe it, Renee. And I tell him it, it's hard for me to believe it. <laughs> but you know, folks, I was very timid. I was a, what you would call the introvert. I would lay down next to tires. The only one I ever spoke with was Irene. And all I'm telling you, folks, is Moses felt inferior. He said, you know, man, my, the roof of my mouth gets stuck. I can't speak. I can't do anything. I can't do a thing. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. So I can't do it. I understand that. My brother-in-law is a professor at Master's Master's Seminary. Well, he was my teacher for preaching. And he'd sit in the second row with his leg cross with a clipboard. And when we'd preach, he'd just write down the stuff he didn't like. So I remember... First time I ever preached, he'd be sitting there like where Juan is. He'd be preaching, and I'd just see him whip out that old pen. I knew it. Oh, man. And then I'd say something, and I'd see his hand. Oh, man, I'm going to fail for sure. And it was interesting. I used to get so nervous. I used to panic. Used to panic. So I questioned my abilities, and we all do. I questioned my gifts sometimes, the tools that God gave me. I question it. But that is no reason not to do what God tells you. Amen? Moses questioned. Moses questioned. I guarantee you Dale questions it sometimes. I don't think he's all that in a box, all that ready to go. I think sometimes there's questions in us. But God said, let me tell you something. I'm with you, man. So get going. I worked for the immigration service. I worked Border Patrol for two years and three and a half years. I was a criminal investigator for immigration. When I left the immigration service, they gave me a, a going-away party. And these were the jokes they'd say, "Gonzalez has gone to Calexico and started a church of illegals. That's what they'd tell me. Joking. We started Calexico in 1979. English. A lady comes to me and tells me, Pastor, my mom doesn't understand English. We need a Spanish service. I said, okay. So I started Spanish. And I'm not very good in Spanish. I've got, I mean, probably better than the majority of you here, but uh, <laughs> I have a tough time with it. I do, the reading part especially. But you know, I get more invitations in Spanish than I do in English. And I go through it and I praise God for people The Spanish people, they're always helping me out. I don't know the word, and they'll come up, boom, they'll start throwing out words to me. But you know, here's the thing that we need to do is get going, man. Quit making excuses about our abilities. I think there's more than one person here that right now makes excuses why he's not serving the Lord. Amen? Come on. There's some of us in here. You're sitting there, and you've been sitting for a long time in this church, and you ain't doing nothing for the Lord. And use the excuse. I don't have ability. I read some of the great men, D.L. Moody, fifth grade education, folks, and he turned two continents upside down. There was doctors in his congregation. Great man of God. See, it's not... God's not looking for talent, folks. He's looking for availability. He's looking for people that say, here I am, Lord, send me. A lot of times, we don't want to do that. And we use the excuses of inability. Oh, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. When the reality is, you can. God delights in simple things. Doesn't he? I love that. I love it. You know, God is not looking for a lot of talent. He's looking for people that are willing to do it because then he receives all the glory and honor. That's the way it works. And we need to understand this. I find great comfort. I praise the Lord every day that God loves little things and little people. And he's always capping on me about little people. But he means it different. I'm talking about God, not Dale, all right? So the best way to get started, quit your excuses, get going. Amen. Get going. Quit waiting. Oh, I'm waiting for Dale to come. He may never call you. You know? Get up and say, hey, here I am. I started in church a long time ago, First Baptist Church in Calexico. I had this, I had a doctor, an actual medical doctor was my Sunday school teacher. The Korean consul was here and his wife. My wife and I my wife and I, we were all there. The doctor would say, Brother Ho, will you please take roll? There's five of us. <laughs> and he goes, A one, a two. And this is truth, guys. Three, no, no, no. A one, a two. And I'm like, what? What's going on here? His wife was sitting next to us. She would go to church in a tennis outfit. She didn't know how to dress. Then doctor Dr. Cashman would stand up. Today we're going to talk about predestination. What? What is that? You know, we don't even know. I was just saved. Finally, I went to the pastor. I told the pastor, you know what, man? I'm going to die in that class. (laughs) I ain't going to make it. You, You need to do something. He told me, you know what you need to do, Renee. Go get your own class. What? Go get some kids and start teaching. You're on. I went around the neighborhood and I picked up 15 kids, brought them in the car and took them to church and started teaching them. That was our youth group, wild kids. <laughs> they'd, be jumping they'd have that the communion dinners. Man, these kids would eat all the beans and they'd get mad at them. <laughs> now, nah, your kid's are eating too much. Well, then don't invite them. You know? Close down the church then. But you know, sometimes, guys, you got to just jump out and do things. Amen. You got to just jump on and say, hey, let's do it. Let's get going. A lot of times, I don't have ability. You know what? If you're willing, God will use you. Amen? He will. Here's another excuse. And this is so common. The excuse of blaming others or conditions. Victimization. Oh, you don't know when I'm, I'm from the ghetto. And I'm suffering. I'm Hispanic and nobody likes me. These white folks just hate me. Yeah. Oh, los gringos, los gringos, los gringos. You hear that so often. Hi, los the gringos. They're holding me back. I'm not going nowhere. Oh, they don't give me a job. I was in the board of patrol. I was the only Hispanic in my class. And the instructor would come every morning. Hey, Gonzalez, you want to hear a joke? Yeah okay, I want to hear a joke. Why don't bar- Why don't Mexicans have barbecues? I don't know. Why don't Mexicans? Because the beans fall through the grill. Ha 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 ha! And the whole class had laughed. I wanted to stay there. I wanted to stay in there. That- I liked that job. You know, and I could just go on, but with blaming you. Know, oh, I could have quit. I could have got up and hit the guy. But what for? And I went on. And I finished off. But you know, this is something that happens to us, blaming others. Don't you do that sometimes? You know? know, It's my husband. It's my wife. It's it's the pastor. It's Dale. I'm stale because Dale's preaching. (laughs) You know? Let me tell you about these excuses. Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I like this church. Look at that clock back there, guys. I can't even see it. (laughs) So I guess there's no time limits around here, huh? (laughs) Oh, good. Praise God. Leave it like that then. All right. Genesis chapter 3. Look at that verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Imagine that. What a preference for God to come and talk to you in the evening. And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, listen to this. The woman who you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Amen. So whose fault would? That old woman. She gave it to me, you know. She's the one that tricked me into it. Man, I would. where would we be if it wasn't for women? In the Garden of Eden. (laughs) The men are (coughs) kind of... Ladies, shut up, man. (laughs) You know, think about this, folks. What did he do? Who did Adam blame? Come on. The woman. And don't think too much about the lady, because she said, you know what? I was beguiled by a serpent. And who made the serpent? God. So who are they really blaming? God. So every time you make an excuse, well, oh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's this woman that gave me. Oh, it's this, or it's that, or they don't like me at work. All full of excuses. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't put the blame. And we, do, we love to pass the responsibility to other people. I'm just not getting anywhere because of this. I'm just not getting anywhere. I can't grow in my Christian life, but you're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. You're not coming to church. What do you expect? If you want to learn English, what classes should you take? French? You ain't going to learn English that way. If you're going to be a good Christian, what classes should you take? Bible. Amen? But are you? Well, Pastor, I'm not growing. I'm not going nowhere. You've been in church, I don't know how long, 10, 20 years, and you're the same person. Nothing's changed. Why? You're not growing. And you're passing the buck. You're blaming everybody else. What was the reason? Why did they eat? Well, that verse 6 tells us right out. Verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desired but to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate. They were selfish. They wanted. They wanted to be wise. They weren't happy with what they were. So she ate. But she blames. He blames her. She blames the serpent. And everybody's blaming God. That's the way It works. It's so interesting, folks, to see this. Empty excuses. Think about this. Examine your own life. How many excuses do you use? How many have you used? How many do you use? Especially in your Christian walk. You know, folks, Romans tells us that each and every one of us is going to give an account for ourselves. I'm not going to give an account for Irene. Irene's going to give an account for herself. I'm not going to give an account for none of you. I'm going to give an account for myself. So I better cut out the excuses. Because excuses are like noses. Everybody has them. True or false? That's the way it is. Here's one, an excuse that a lot of you use. The excuse of being too busy. I got my plate full. I'd have so much to do. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to go over here. I've got too much to do. I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got a job. What do I do? Why don't we just be honest? We're just disorganized. Amen? A lot of us, you're busy. You look busy. You're just disorganized. You don't have a set plan. I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do, I go to my office and I write down the things I have to do. And as I'm doing them, I'm scratching them off. Because sometimes, folks, this whole mind of mine forgets things. Amen? Then yours? You said, well, you got Alzheimer's. No. I mean, this has been happening for a long time for all of us. And all I'm trying to tell you, folks, is, you know, here's another thing. It's, we're not just only disorganized. Some of us are just flat out lazy. <laughs> Amen? Come on. We're lazy, some of us. We don't want to do it. Man, it's hard to get up in the morning. It's tough. It's rough to get up at 6. It's rough to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's rough to get to prayer. When I worked in Los Angeles, I had to be in the air at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I used to get up at 5 to read my Bible. You got to make some sacrifices. You got to do some things that normally you don't. And it's hard. It's hard. But here's the thing that's so interesting, folks, is what are your excuses? We use so many of them. Now, let's get to the scriptures. Amen? Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Let's look at this here. Luke chapter 14. So far, we've done nothing but an introduction. The seminary professors tell us, always tell them you're about done and people get excited and you just go for another hour. <laughs> yeah. Luke chapter 14, and look at that verse 16. He starts, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Past tense. That means the invitation was given before. And they had agreed to come. They were just waiting for the admon- announcement when the dinner was. He invited many and he sent his servants who were invited. Come for all things are now ready. So he invited them before and now they're ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. They all, not some of them, all. With one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and so, therefore, I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, you got that? Being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you command it, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel. Love that word, compel. Push them, guys. Force them. Tell them. Share with them. People come to church and they sit in church for the first time and it's the pastor's duty to win them to Christ. It's every Christian's duty to share the gospel. You hear me? The gift of evangelism Billy Graham had. You don't. I don't think you do. And the reality is everybody should be sharing the gospel. Everybody in here. We should be sharing the gospel. Compel them. Tell them. Witness to them. That's what he's telling us. And he says, that my house may be filled. Now, catch this verse 24. For I say to you that none, none of those men who were what? Shall taste my supper. What does he mean by that? That if you keep making all the excuses, God's going to say, you know what? Forget you. Forget you you make nothing but excuses, you're probably, probably not even saved. You're probably not even, you don't even know Jesus Christ. Interesting, folks. All these excuses, every one of them, they were invited, they were invited before, and they were all, the dinners ready, come over here. But they started one by one, making excuses. They refused to attend. Wow. The first one, verse 18, what a weak excuse. If he was a good businessman, he would have visited the land before he bought it. Amen? Think about that. You don't buy land without seeing it. Well, I've got 10 acres for you in Madawaska, Maine. You're an idiot if you buy it. You got to go see it, right? Kick the tires in the car. Make sure the radio works. This guy says, no, I bought the land. That's it. I can't go. And think about this. Even if he already bought the land, why can't he go later? After the dinner? Huh? You know, I get a kick out of this. I invite somebody over my house. Would you like to come? Oh, if I have time. What are they telling you? They don't want to come. Right? If I have nothing else to do. What does that mean? Man, what an insult. Hey, Jed, would you like to come over? Well, I don't know, man. I ain't gonna invite him again later for this guy. Yeah. Think about this. What an excuse. It's not even worth it. And then the, the second guy, he says, you know what, I'm too busy. I just bought some oxen. I bought some cattle. Now who buys cattle without looking at it? Hmm? You know where we're at over there at Dale's place, there's a huge Brown bull, that thing is big. So you know that thing's worth some money. you imagine if that bull, all bones and skinny and all beat up? Who would buy that thing? Who would buy something like that? I went to a, a, in front of Walmart, they had a car show yesterday. Anybody go there? They had some nice looking cars. Then way in the back, they had that car that comes out in that, um, what's the name of that movie, babe? Tomater, It looked like that. That thing, and the guy's like, oh man, this is a nice car and stuff. I'm looking at man, I wouldn't give you a dime for that thing. It looked bad. It looked terrible, and the guy sitting in front of it would look worse. <laughs> yeah. But think about this. What an excuse. Who would buy oxen without looking at him? And if he already bought him, why didn't he go later? After the dinner. No. Yeah. This is something else. And here's the worst one of all, the third guy. I think this is ridiculous. He just got married. And what should he do? Invite his wife. Take her to dinner. Amen? Ladies, don't you like to go to dinner? Don't you like to go to dinner? Yeah, a nice dinner. No, can't go. Let's just stay here and hug each other. (laughs) You know? I don't get it. In fact, the Bible says that when you got married, the law said that for a year, you weren't even supposed to pay taxes. You're supposed to enjoy your your honeymoon. My granddaughters had came for the VBS. I gave them the marriage classes before they got married, and I I was honored to marry them. And I told them, you know, you guys are young, so enjoy your lives and have babies in about three or four years. Well, they came back from the honeymoon pregnant. (laughs) Wow, you know. But I I think about this, all this, have a good time with your wife. No, 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 no. The guy says, you know, I I just want to stay home. What a lame excuse, huh? Silly excuse. Here's one. We had a lady in our church. We start the evening services. And I asked this lady, you know, you're always at church with us on Wednesdays, Sunday mornings. Why don't you come Sunday nights? She told me, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm busy. And I said, well, what? An hour? What's the big deal with an hour? Well, that's when I get ready for work. And I said, what do you do? She goes, I shave my legs. <laughs> I'm not honest. She told me she shaved her legs. I said, that takes that long? Are you hairy? What is it, you know? That's what she told me. I don't come to Sunday night because I shave my lace. What an excuse. I should put that in the Bible. Huh? <laughs> Whoa. I don't know about you folks, but excuses. We have so many of them. These guys, lame excuses. And, and the interesting thing is God didn't like that. And look at that verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. All these excuses. Then the master of the house being angry. Guys, be careful of getting God angry. You know, God can do us in. You know, God knows how to get your attention. Sometimes God will get your attention in so many different ways. I used to tell my boys all the time, you guys, you better be right with God because if you're not, He's going to get your attention. And if he knows that it's not going to work in you. He's going to use something else. He might use your mother. You know, sometimes, guys, the only way we understand something is when something that we're dear to us hurts. Amen? And I'm talking about something close to you. When my mom passed away, my mom, for a long time, never believed in the Lord. Well, the last year of her life, she got saved and I never got along much with my mom. Me and my mom were very much at odds. I loved her and I knew she loved me, but I don't know if you can understand this, but I didn't like her. I loved her, but I didn't like my mom. We didn't get along too much. But when she got saved, things started, got different. I used to go with her places. I used to go on Mondays and spend time with her. And so we got to get closer and closer and closer. And when, God, and when God took my mom home, it was on a Sunday morning. I preached a sermon on baptism. She came up forward and she told me, well, son, I guess you're going to have to baptize me. I thought to myself, amen, praise the Lord. And I put in the water and we'll hold her down for a while because all the time she whipped me. You know, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, I thought about that. Well, that Wednesday she passed away. So I didn't get to baptize her. But one of the things that's so interesting to me about my mom is that she was just so different when she got saved. We were able to get along. Well, when she died, I remember I went underneath this bridge in Klaxo, a little bridge, and I remember sat there, and I was angry. And I kind of lifted my fist to God, and I said, you know, Lord, I didn't get to have time with her. I didn't never get along with my mom hardly. And now she gets saved and you take her. That ain't right. That's not fair. But God in his mercy and his goodness, he just stroked me, loved me, gave me the comfort that I needed, and we move on. And sometimes it's hard to do. But let me tell you something. God knows us. And he knows what it takes to change you. And sometimes he won't touch you, but he'll touch something dear to you. He does that. Young man in seminary. Pastor told him, there's a church open for you. Would you like to take the church? He said, I just got married, just had a kid, can't go. He said, all right, but everything's ready for you. He said, as soon as I can, I'll call you. He had his children, went on pastor would get a hold of him, brother, that church is still calling for you. When are you ready? A couple of years went by. I'm not ready yet. Not ready. Finally, a couple of years later, his baby dies. He went to the coffin, took the baby out, lifted him up in the air. He said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready now. What's it going to take to get you going? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to finally it, go to the foot of the cross and say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus? What's it going to take? The death of a loved one? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for God, for you to quit making all these excuses? What's it going to take? And sometimes we just sit there and just keep going, going on, pretending and not doing a thing about it. And I don't know about you, but my Bible says God got angry. And look at that verse 24, which is probably the saddest verse of all. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. What does that mean? That means that you may come to church and you may be baptized and you may have a good King James Bible or whatever ESV Bible, whatever you have. But if you don't know the Lord, you're gone. Guys, church doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. Good works doesn't save you. But I bought a pie for the lunch. That don't save you. It may make people taste better. But that doesn't save you. What saves you? Jesus in Calvary. When you finally come to the foot of the cross and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. You are God and I need you to change my life. I need to repent of my life. That's what we need. Because that's what he tells us. None of those who were invited will have the supper. None. I don't know about you folks. But I'd really think about that. Every one of us. You may claim Christianity, but what's your life like? Is there fruit? Matthew says, you will know them by their... Fruits. Are you bearing fruits? You say, well, what does that mean? Do I have apples at home? I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Are you? Check over your life. First Corinthians chapter 13, or 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. He's not talking about saving faith. He's talking about, is there a change in your life? Is there? Yeah. Dale's talking about this young girl that just got baptized yesterday. Well, we, we better be praying for her because this whole world is something else. Amen? And oh, Satan, he don't rest. But the worst of all is that old flesh of ours. That old flesh. That's why he says, he says the spirit is willing. We want to do right. But the flesh is weak. Woo! Temptation comes. This morning, it was a great. Everything was dry, and all of a sudden, rain comes. Man, about lost it right there. My awning was too high. It was bubbling up with all that. Man, it's going to tear, I told Irene. We got to do something. She goes, well, what are we going to do? We got to bring it down. We got to do something. And I'm out there pouring rain on me, and I'm yanking this thing down. Water spills everywhere. About lost my testimony. Should have just told Dale, you preach. Your flesh is weak. Amen? In Calexico, you get a flat... You go to church and you praise God. And you are amen, brother. Oh, great sermon. You go outside 126 degrees. Got a flat tire. You about to lose it. Trying to change that tire. Amen? So all I'm trying to tell you, folks, I like the way this one man put it. Excuses are lies masquerade as le- legitimate reasons. And therefore are doubly wrong. Excuses do not satisfy God. God expects you to faithfully serve Him for Christians. Amen? That's what He wants. So let's quit these excuses. Amen? How many are with me? Man, I need to quit excusing. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm going to go for the Lord. I'm going to serve Him. Amen? Come on. You guys aren't broke or something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just quit the excuses, guys. I think I've shared with you the Word of God. I think the Holy Spirit's done his job. So, what are you gonna do? Some of you are thinking, I what are we gonna eat right now? <laughs> well, I thought they I saw that little pie they brought in. Well, forget about that for a minute now. What are you gonna do with this message? God's gonna hold you accountable for it. He's going to tell you, you remember that old day, the 25th? Remember that Sunday little little pastor went up there, little Mexican guy? You remember that? What are you going to do about excuses? Let's cut them out. Amen? But we need help with that, don't we? So we need to ask God to help us. So here's your invitation. I don't know if if you're used to invitations or not, but I love invitations. If God has talked to your heart this morning and you've got to cut the out excuses, you come up here and you tell the Lord, God, help me to stop these excuses and get to moving for God. Amen? Anybody with me here? Oh, now the hands, nobody's going up. Huh? Uh, come on. I saw some, I saw Jeb's hand go up. Come on, some of you, cut out the excuses. Amen? All right, then get up here, tell the Lord, and then go have your seat. Come on. Get up here. Maybe like those Baptist guys and just wait till all of you come up here. No, we're not going to do that. You just come up here and you talk to God. Oh, you can see me. It's up to you. A lot of you just sitting there, you know you should be up here, huh? Well, whatever it is, if you don't want to come up, that's fine. If you want to pray right there where you're at, just talk to the Lord. Tell Him. Man, I'm through with excuses. God, help me to just serve you with all my heart. Amen? And perhaps you're here today. You say, well, you know, it's time for me to take Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm tired of this stuff. I'm tired of this life. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. And I need Jesus. If you're here like that, Brother Dale's up here. You can come and talk with him. Come on up. The rest of us, let's close our eyes and let's pray. And pray to quit excuses. Remember, because all those that were invited, none are partaking of the supper. I hope none of us are here like that. None of us. Go ahead.